This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. I hope everyone is doing great, folks. It is Thursday evening going into Friday morning. What a long week we've had, ladies and gentlemen. I don't even know. I just had to say that. Other people say that. (laughs) Every week is long to me, folks. Every week is long to me since William was born. Uh, But by the way, folks, I ate that bread last night. That was the bread I made that was stuffed with the everything bagel seasoning, basil, fresh shaved Parmesan, and uh, fresh chopped garlic. Folks, dynamite. Dynamite. I'm not buying bread at the store anymore. Now I just have to be careful, because if I eat bread, uh, I really try to watch out for carbs and starches. If I start eating bread, folks, I will blow up. I'll be over here, I'll look like uh, Michael Moore. Not Mike Moore of the Thomas Paine podcast, but Michael Moore of Roger and me. And I don't want to look like that, folks. Not anytime soon, anyway. So uh, here's a tip for you, though. Here's a tip. You want to bake this bread... And, and it takes about, um, all right, so you turn the oven on 450 degrees and you put your Dutch oven in there. By the way, I used the fully cast iron Dutch oven with no enamel on it. So the first one I made was with the enamel. came out great, but I don't want to ruin that enamel Dutch oven. If you have the temperature too high in the oven, you could actually crack those. So I used a straight-up cast iron one that my Aunt Elaine gave me about six months ago. She was getting rid of a bunch of cast iron cookware, and she knows I love cast iron, and I use it when I go camping and stuff. So she gave me this cast iron Dutch oven, and I used that. So you put it in there. And you let it warm up with the oven when it's warming up to 450 degrees. And then when it gets to 450 degrees, I let it sit for about 30 minutes. All right. So that's about 40 minutes there. And then you have, um, you take the uh, dough on top of the parchment paper. I explained this in the past episode, so you can check that out there. You're going to just put it inside the Dutch oven on the parchment paper and you close the top to the Dutch oven, you put it in the oven and you're going to let that cook in there for about 30 minutes. All right. Then you take it out and you're going to remove the top. Make sure you wear oven mitts or you're using like a dishcloth or something. Otherwise you're going to burn your hands. Um, so you take the lid off and then you put it back in the oven 
and you let it sit in there for 10, 12, 15 minutes, depending on how crisp you want the top of the bread, how brown you want it. I like it between like a golden, sort of a light brown. And that takes about 10 to 12 minutes. I would say 15 at the most. You take it out, you put your little turkey thermometer in there, and you want it to be between about 190 and 210 degrees. All right. And if it's done, now you take it out off the parchment paper and you put it on a drying rack. And you want to let that sit till it gets down to between about 90 and 110 minutes. And I would say that takes about an hour and a half to two hours. All right. And the reason why you want to do that is in the bread cooking process, even with this simple bread, uh, the stuff I'm making right now. You want to let it cool because that actually finishes the cooking process. Otherwise, the uh, dough inside cannot be fully cooked. It might be wet when you cut it. It might tear the bread. So you want to let that cool down to about 90 to 110 degrees inside. So the point being, folks, is if you want this bread for breakfast or you want it for dinner, I would say you want to start that process a few hours before you're ready to eat it because this bread, when it's fresh and it's warm, is dynamite. So last night we sliced it up and we ate it with the homemade turkey soup I made and the butter melted right on it. The garlic inside, uh, I had minced it really nice. It really small. It almost melted in there, so it had this garlic layer inside. Oh, folks, out of this world. If I ever go half Amish, I'm probably just going to live off of this this bread. Now, with the central bank digital currency system, they might stop me from buying bread flour, so I don't know how that's going to work out. So maybe I should start stocking up on bread flour, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, you want to make it about three hours before you're going to eat it. So it's nice and warm, nice and fresh. Uh, You know, a big loaf. This is a three and a quarter cup, three and a half cup flour loaf. For four or five people, it is sufficient. The bread's good. I just had a little piece I toasted up for breakfast. It's great toasted. But when it's fresh, out of this world, out of this world. All right, folks, another thing. I was talking to my uh, father last night for about an hour i hadn't talked to him since he was here for thanksgiving believe it or not i used to call him every day to check in with him all right he's single he was uh, married twice divorced twice doesn't want any women just likes to do his thing his private investigator stuff if you want to check it out you can listen to him on episode 95 i think i interviewed him for about three hours but i talked to him last night And now he does not listen to the show. He's listened to a little bit of the show and he was on the show. So he starts telling me, yeah, you need to stop just talking about the problems. Now, remember, this guy sits around and he watches Fox News. He has for 20 years and he listens to talk radio. He's listened to everybody from Glenn Beck to Mark Levin to Sean Hannity to Rush Limbaugh and uh, everyone in between. So he says, um, you need to stop just talking about the problems. We need to talk about solutions. I said, all right, Dad. Well, here's the problem here. The problems that I'm discussing are actually the real problems, not the problems that you're seeing on Fox News or that uh, Mark Levin and Sean Hannity are talking about. These are the real problems. This is what's actually happening behind the scenes. This is the buildup of technocracy. This is why I got into the history of technocracy and eugenics. Of course, he has no idea what I'm talking about. We're on two totally different wavelengths. So he's sitting, oh, what? who cares about the history of technocracy? You know, the eugenics, who cares? cares about what happened in 1920 i said well this is the problem if you don't understand the history uh of where 
all this stuff came from, you don't understand the present. And if you're distracted watching the World Wrestling Entertainment Federation Clown World Circus Wrestling Show on Fox News and MSNBC and CNN, then you really don't have an understanding about what's actually happening, all these problems you're seeing, why it's really going on, what's really happening. And the fact that technocracy is rolling in. So he said, well, you know, how do people listen to that all the time? I said, Dad, you listened to Glenn Beck for years. This is the type of stuff he was talking about. Oh, yeah, but, you know, and then solutions, this. And I said, well, what are your solutions? Your solutions are to vote harder. All right, see, I said, I'm post-politics. I don't believe these problems come from the Democrats or come from the Republicans. They come from all of them. It is the system that is the problem. It is the state that is the problem. And so he said, oh, yeah, oh, the state, this, it's individuals. Look, if people got out there, if your audience, you know, just knew who to vote for. I said, first off, my audience is in the top one percentile of people in this country that actually know what the hell is going on. Uh, Either one, because they're listening to me, they're listening to Mike Moore, they're listening to Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays. They're listening to VM, a regular guest on the Thomas Paine podcast they're listening to legal man of the quash a regular guest and they actually understand what's going on or two they're listening to us because they already knew what was going on and now they just want more information and so he said oh yeah but no, no, no. yeah so back and forth back and forth i said dad listen at the end of the day then you've got to cut my father off so i said at the end of the day we do talk about solutions here I mean, real solutions, because the technocracy in my eyes is is pretty, it's inevitable at this point. So the idea, oh, it's inevitable? Oh, so you're giving up, you're telling people not to have hope? No, father, no, father, no. In my ideal world, we would buy a million acres out in Montana or West Virginia or Texas or Florida. I don't really care what state it's in. That doesn't matter to me because... Yes, you could say that certain states are better than others, but overall, the federal government runs the show, and you have to go build a half Amish-style community. If and, and I said to my father, the difference between me and you, Dad, is we have different goals. Not everyone has the same goals. See, my goals are not to stay put where I am and just keep voting and hoping that makes things better. My goal is breaking away from this and not having to interact with it on my daily life and only stepping into the matrix when when I have to, to go make money or when I have to interact with the government to pay taxes because I don't want them to come and arrest me. That's the only time I want to interact with the system. Very similar to the Amish. And only a couple hours from here is Lancaster, Pennsylvania, big hub of the Amish. You know, and some of the midwives we work with on my wife's uh, birth and the birth of William have worked with the Amish over the years. So I got a little bit of uh, new information on the Amish. I haven't followed the Amish myself personally for a few years. So what they do is they do all their farming, all their growing, all their butter churning and their fudge making. And they do all that in the Amish community, basically very limited to no technology. And then they go into Philadelphia. Uh, It used to be the Reading Terminal, this old railroad station. I think that still goes on every weekend. They come in and they sell all of their goods 
to what they call the English. That would be all of us, the English. Doesn't matter what color you are, what religion, what race, what creed, you're English. All right. And so they go into the Reading Terminal and they sell their goods to the English. Well, that is for the Amish stepping into the matrix. They're coming in to sell to get food coupons, right? This money that they take back home. Because as I've explained to you before, you can live out this outside of the system as much as you want. Now, if you have a homestead, if you have the ability to buy a piece of property with no mortgage, so you're not interacting with the bank on payments and such, that's great. But if you have that, even if you're growing your own vegetables, maybe raising your own cattle, there are things you're going to need, like a car or a John Deere tractor, things like that where you might not be able to barter. All right, say you need a new pickup truck or a used new pickup truck. So let's say you're going to buy an old... Uh, Ford F-150 or something to have around the farm and you find someone will sell it for three four five thousand dollars or something like that cash let's say you could still do that in this world you're going to need cash to go buy that because that guy might not take 47 sacks of potatoes from you in trade for the truck so you step into the matrix to sell some of your goods to make some cash so that you can buy that truck and then bring it back to your homestead. So I told my father, that is my ideal situation. That is what I am trying to accomplish. I'm kind of working against the clock as we all are. Uh, I went through a divorce not long ago, obviously with my, uh, with my partner. She's my partner. I call her my wife. We didn't actually get married and we're going to keep it that way for the time being. But she is my wife and I am her husband in our hearts and we have baby William together. And so that's what we want to try to do. We're going to try to break off, get a little homestead. It would be fantastic as a mega solution for all of us to live on a giant homestead together. But to organize a bunch of people like that is quite difficult. And everybody is in different financial circumstances. And everyone has different goals. And so to put this together, it would be a huge project. Now, if the show keeps growing, if we keep doing well over here, maybe I will be in a position a year, two years from now, if we still have the ability to organize to maybe lead a project like that. I've done stuff like this before, uh, not on this kind of a scale, but it might be something I'd be willing to lead because at the end of the day, someone has to lead this type of project. So anyway, it was funny talking to my father on these solutions. And my father did end up saying, and he had, well, if somebody came up with something like that, I would move there. And so that's what we're going to start talking about in uh, the next couple of weeks is more solutions, real world solutions, not voting and this kind of stuff. I mean, it, I just, I've withdrawn from that system. I'm no longer going to be tricked or baited into a system that has gotten us where we are today. So whether Republicans or Democrats are in power, we are where we are today. The country, in my eyes, has only moved in one direction since its founding, and that's where we are today. The technocracy is here. It is our culture. They are coming. So we have to talk about real solutions. And in your personal life, you could start to take some of the smart objects out of your house, get rid of the ring cameras, you know, start to interact less uh, with the smart technology, try to go analog as much as possible, continue to use cash so you're not tracked, try to get a car that's older without a computer in it. You know, these are things you can do in your personal life where you are today. 
And then you can move to the next step, which is what we're working on and going to try to do within a year is at least get, you know, three, four acres out in. We're probably going to go out in West Virginia because where we are now, uh, we just have some connections in this area. We'd like to be within an hour of here. So we're looking at West Virginia. You can get to some pretty... Uh, uh, you know, rural areas out there for sure, you know, three, four, five acres. And then we secured, as I said, a piece of land in Poland. That's sort of going to be our second base camp. Um, and, and, and it's not like I think you could run from the problems in the United States over to Poland. Poland has its own problems. The United States is over in Poland meddling right now. So Poland has problems as well, but Right now, you have to start to think uh, globally as well uh, and try to figure out how to beat these guys and how to secure uh, your assets and insulate yourself from what is coming. All right, folks, when we get back, I'm going to talk about this uh, pretty much orchestrated labor shortage. I want to show you what's going on. And then this is the push into universal basic income, which we're going to cover here. And uh, yes, folks, our 100th anniversary yesterday, guess what? Elon Musk announced that he will be putting a brain chip inside a human six months from now, and he would get one for sure. So I guess we did get to celebrate something here on our 100th anniversary folks this is episode 101 when i get back labor shortages and then we're going to work our way back into consensus and we're going to finish up on central bank digital currency i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so... Anyway, the point being there with my conversation with my uh, father last night is that you can't come up with real solutions unless, one, you know what your end goals are, and two, you know what the real problems are that you're facing. If you understand what the real problems are that you're facing, then you can look at your list of goals, and then you can look at your list of options on how to get from this problem, whatever problem you identify to your goal, and you can do that in a realistic fashion and not be running around banging your head against the wall. And that is the point of that folks so understand this and that's what we're doing here that's why i spend the time to break this down because unless i myself personally went through all of the central bank digital currency uh papers uh white papers articles uh tech companies i don't really understand what is coming i just have to rely on what someone else tells me or i have to rely on one article i read or i'm going to just say i, I don't want to hear that it pierces my world view so i'm going to put my head in this hand and pretend it's not coming or I'm going to sit there like my father and say, oh, let them try to take my social security and move it into CBDC. Well, that is coming. It is coming and there's nothing you're going to do about it. So you should start to prepare for that now. 
All right, you should start to prepare for that now. But unless you listen to the last few episodes of this podcast or you go do the research yourself, you won't understand that it actually is coming. It's a real problem. So if your goal is to not have to interact with that system, then you're going to have to figure out a solution to that fairly quickly. Because if that's coming down the pike one, two, three years from now, you have one, two, three years to plan. Right. So I said to my father, maybe start to look at all the things you like to purchase right now and figure out uh, with an educated guess what some of the items that they're going to block you from buying with the CBDC once it's programmable and maybe hoard that stuff right now. Take some of the cash you have on hand and buy a bunch of Snickers bars or whatever it is that you want. And then that way, you are ready for when they move you into central bank digital currency and you can't buy Snickers bars anymore. See, those are real solutions to working around this system. But if you wait until the day that the Social Security Administration and the president, whoever that may be at the time, comes rolling out and says, okay, Social Security is moving over to a CBDC platform. It starts tomorrow. Uh, If you don't like it, then you're not getting your Social Security. Well, now you're screwed. Now you're jammed up, all right? And now maybe you won't be able to buy those Snickers bars that you like. So to understand what the real problem is, to understand what um, are coming out of this whole technocracy, what is fluff, what is real, what is coming, what is not, then you can start to actually come up with real-world solutions in your personal life. All right, I want to go through this real quick. This is important. It's an article I actually came across a couple of days ago. And I think it's really important because they break down labor shortages. And what we're seeing right now, uh, and the reason why I'm putting this in here while we're in the middle of central bank digital currency is because I need to talk about universal basic income. And everything is orchestrated. Unlike my father, who likes to believe that some stuff is organic, in my mind, it's all orchestrated at the highest levels. And so the way that this, and it's not a conspiracy theory to believe that. In fact, it's not even a conspiracy. All right, a conspiracy is more than two people meeting together in secret to develop plans to achieve a similar outcome. All right. A shared outcome. Well, they're not doing this stuff in secret, folks. They're talking about it at the World Economic Forum, at the United Nations, at the International Monetary Fund, at the... um, at the Bank for International Settlements, all these conferences, all these tech companies are publishing papers. There's no conspiracy. This is not a secret. So what I want to show you here from the perspective of this is air conditioning, heating, and refrigeration news. That's achrnews.com. It's like a trade magazine for HVAC guys. But it's a well-written article. It does not get into, let's say, COVID deaths or vaccine deaths. But it's going to show... A lot of what happened over the last two and a half years, which I believe is orchestrated. And so you create this labor shortage. And then what ends up happening? You have companies, restaurants, like the ones in my uh, town here, like White Rabbit, the pizza place I told you about, implementing technology from this company, Toast, to do table online ordering and just have a runner, eventually probably a robot, bring the food out to your table. 
And so they're pushing us further and further into technology, which is the technocracy, uh, by creating this labor shortage. And then what is also going to happen is the people who've been taken out of the workforce will eventually move into universal basic income, which will be uh, paid and distributed via central bank digital currency. And I'm going to show you some of that tonight. And the reason why I'm putting this in here is I want you to see where we're actually moving with all this technology, just like I showed you the new narrative being set up by the Social Security Administration that I think will become part of the push to move Social Security into CBDC. You're going to see this here now with universal basic income. And then we're going to take this back and bookend the last few episodes with the research I've done on the company Consensus, who is this software programmer developing blockchain technologies to sit on top of the Ethereum network. And also at the same time, working with major so-called private sector players like Visa and MasterCard to be able to build out the infrastructure to introduce central bank digital currency at a large scale. Meanwhile, they're working with the central banks, and they launched a project with the Bank for International Settlements to do cross-border CBDC in a uh, test pilot scenario. So this is all happening in real time. Uh, by the time we're done with this, I think we're going to wrap up with consensus tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to show you a little bit about Elon Musk and the brain chip, obviously, because we covered that so much on the show, and that just happened yesterday. So we will cover that. And then we're going to wrap up with consensus consensus and then we're going to go into the panel discussions from the world economic forum united nations international monetary fund and bank for international settlements and that's how we're going to end on uh central bank digital currency uh and i and i mean from my end from the dust and gold standard then we're going to tie that in with the work that wide awake jim is doing he just sent me, I don't know, 58 documents last night. He said he's wrapping up with his research today on this uh, next three or four shows. There's going to be something like 200 documents. So hopefully we're going to be able to take what we did and then tie that in with what he's working on and be able to paint a very clear picture for you and hopefully create a timeline to be able to show you when these rollouts are coming. All right, folks, let's look at this again. AC uh hr news that's air conditioning heating and refrigeration news this is written on november 20th 2022 it says here u.s employers most common complaint across almost all business sectors is an inability to find workers the coronavirus pandemic and its aftermath helped generate this continuing problem for many employers following the pandemic roughly three million fewer workers are participating in the labor force today than in February 2020. And as we know, February 2020 was right in the middle of the COVID land high school theater production kickoff, which was between January and March 2020. It continues, in addition, more than 10 million job openings exist with fewer than 7 million unemployed workers to fill them. The lack of workers presents a problem to more than just employers. It has impacted many across the country. Travelers have faced flight delays and cancellations due to a shortage of pilots and attendants. Understaffing at many hospitals has led to stressed and overworked nurses who are quitting, which further exacerbates the shortage. A shortfall of 80,000 truck drivers has contributed to clogged ports, which in turn leads to limited supply and higher consumer prices. 
Staffing shortages have caused retailers, restaurants, and other service businesses to struggle to provide their standard level of service. Now, let's just break this down for a second here. What they don't get into in this article, I don't believe, is that first off, let's just take what they're talking about. Airlines, they're talking about hospitals, they're talking about trucking companies, right? Well, all three of those were trying to force people to get the COVID jab or lose their job back when the private sector was playing the mandate game. So a lot of people left those professions that did not want to be jabbed. Okay, so look right there. That is orchestrated. It is orchestrated. You try to force those employers to get a jab, and then they say, no, I'm not working here. Well, that's orchestrated because there was a decision made to say that you were going to enforce those types of employees, and I said employers before, I apologize, employees to get the jab, and then they quit. That's that's orchestrated. You're creating a bunch of employees that are quitting and leaving, all right? So there you go. That's number one there. So all of a sudden, there's this major shortfall. Now, they're going to get into, in this article, some of the other things that I hadn't thought about that are causing the shortfall here. And now they're saying it's trickling over to retailers, restaurants, and other service sector businesses. All right. Now, what I believe and what I see this trend happening, brick and mortar is gone. That's already been written out under the force industrial revolution. So they want to orchestrate a collapse of employees and that this collapse will then be blamed on employees as they start to close up all the brick and mortars. I think what you're going to see, and this comes out of my research into the force industrial revolution and the World Economic Forum and others, that rolling out to 2030, you're not really going to have restaurants in the way that you see them anymore. They might be kitchens, like commercial kitchens, and then the food will be delivered to your house via DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, stuff like that. Grocery stores that you walk into and purchase things, that I believe is going to be gone. I think that's going to change over to an Amazon model where it's giant grocery warehouses. Everything will be picked off the shelves, whether by humans or robots or whatever, and that will be delivered to your front door so the brick and mortar industry i think that's out the window that's written into the fourth industrial era that's what we're moving towards folks so i think this is an orchestrated collapse all right to move us further into a full-blown technocracy all right when we come back ladies and gentlemen we're going to continue with this because it's it's very important that you understand everything that is going on here so this way when you're out at a restaurant and you see them uh, pushing this toast app where you scan a QR code with your phone, pull up the menu, order, and then a runner brings it out of the back and there's no more waiters. Instead of complaining about it, you're going to understand exactly why it's happening. See, I'm trying to clear up all this stuff for you and give you the truth so that you understand this and you no longer have to worry about it. You're just going to say, well, yep, this was orchestrated, all designed that way. And you don't have to complain. You could just work on your solutions, you know, to get to your goals. And we could try to beat the clock before all this stuff comes in to fruition. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. And always keep in mind, folks, as we're moving through this content, keep in mind that technocracy, you know, going back to 1919, technocracy is the science of social engineering and the systematic control of the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. So just look at it. From the perspective of this labor shortage, it's the science of social engineering. They're engineering this labor shortage and they're socially engineering society into accepting it. At the same time, it leads to the systematic control of the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. Because when they remove the workers from the workforce and they replace the workers with robots and artificial intelligence, that gives them further control over the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. It really all makes perfect sense. I mean, from their perspective, I know we're upset about it. I know we don't want to live under it. I know we don't like it, but they're doing it. They're doing it. And as you're going to see later in this episode, I'm going to show you something coming out of consensus, this uh, blockchain development company working with the central banks on central bank digital currency. I mentioned to you that there's 430,000 worldwide developers working with the, uh, within the Ethereum ecosystem, which is really the backbone to many of the CBDCs. Well, they have training academies where people can learn to be developers. So again, I've mentioned on this show before, many of us are part of the worker bee class helping to build the technocracy without even realizing it. Why? Because it's embedded in our culture. Technocracy is our culture, whether we want to accept that or not. It is the truth. All right, let's continue. It says, the reasons for the ongoing worker shortage flowing out of the pandemic are varied. Some have not returned to the workforce as the result of the government financial assistance received during the pandemic. It is estimated that 68% of workers were earning more on unemployment during the pandemic than they made while working, enabling some to add to savings. All right, again, That is orchestrated. Do you really believe that the people that created the policies that led to people making more money on unemployment than they were when they were employed was not orchestrated? Uh, So many people want to believe that there are unintended consequences. I believe everything that happens at that level, coming from the state, coming from the elites, are 100% intended consequences. They are not unintended. So this was orchestrated, so it created a problem. goes on to say, other workers receive pandemic-related bonuses and wage increases, combined with increasing home values and reduced mortgage payments. Many found a greater level of financial security than before the pandemic. Now, you will say, okay, that's great. Individuals have more money, but that is short-term. That is short-term. 
That is social engineering. They created these policies that drove up home values, that allowed people to go take out second mortgages. So now they're sitting on, you know, twenty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars. But that is short lived. Now they're out of a job and now they're going to be starving, and now they either have to sell the home. See, it it creates, they set up all these problems to then provoke more reactions to then offer more solutions, but it is orchestrated. This stuff did not just happen. There wasn't a perfect storm of this uh, incompetent policy coming out. There's nothing incompetent about this. This is very competent. It's very orchestrated. They created a scenario at the exact right time to have an employee shortage to then be able to offer artificial intelligence, robots, and everything else. Come on, folks. You know this to be true. It says a substantial number of workers, 55 and older, who comprised 25% of the workforce before, opted for early retirement rather than a return to a workplace. Uh, Those that they did not kill with uh, COVID and or the jab. It goes on to say among those workers, six. 65 and over, there were 7% more retirements than would otherwise have been expected in a given year. The loss of these older, experienced workers is especially difficult because a sudden loss of decades of institutional knowledge is difficult to replace. Again, orchestrated all orchestrated first off you have to come from the standpoint that covid land the high school theater production was a theater production live action role play put on by the world governments all right if you want to believe that covid came from somebody eating a bat and then it spread all over the world and then these governments came together and they tried to help everyone but in the end they were just incompetent and they started pushing out jabs that weren't tested but they were ready to roll out and then people got sick and they're dying from that and then it created all these i mean you have to be crazy i mean do you still believe in santa claus folks no It's all orchestrated. This is what the Great Reset is. This is what Build Back Better is. This is what the Force Industrial Revolution is. This stuff was all written about. The Fourth Industrial Revolution was written. It's a book by Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, written in 2016. A couple months after the pandemic started, Klaus Schwab had the Great Reset book ready to roll. People like Peter Thiel came out in the very beginning and said, this is a great opportunity to move in the new economy and replace the old economy. These guys were all ready to rock and roll, folks. Event 201, Spars Pandemic, Claydex, all these tabletop exercises all happened before COVID land, the high school theater production kicked off. This was orchestrated all orchestrated all right let's continue it says the loss of so many older workers in the pandemic underscores the primary reason for the anticipated shortfall in the number of workers moving forward we have an aging population and hence an aging workforce and the united states is not alone in this the age of workers in the manufacturing sector of several developed countries best illustrates the problem In the United States, 25% of manufacturing workers are 55 and older. In Canada, it's 22%. The United Kingdom, 20%. And 30% in South Korea. In Japan, the majority of their workforce overall is between the ages of 45 and 54. And the country is expected to lose at least 20% of its workforce by 2040 due to aging. 
The aging problem is easy, easily explained. Birth rates in most of the developed countries have been falling for years. In the United States, the birth rate in 1970 was 23 births per thousand people. Today, it is eight births per thousand people. You got that? 1970, it was 23 births per thousand people. Today, 50 years later, it's eight births. It's one-third the amount of births happening. Now, what's the reason this occurred? I don't know. Maybe the fake feminist movement, uh, putting men and women up for competing in stupid corporate jobs, you know, are going to the coal mine. Uh, Maybe it's the uh, push for mass abortions. I don't know. Maybe it's the... uh, this whole anti-social social media push to make people uh, not want to have children. I don't know. There's a ton of reasons. Again, it's orchestrated, though. This is the culture, folks. This is a social engineering. Today, it is eight births per thousand people. By 2035, adults 65 and older will outnumber children under the age of 18 for the first time in history. So, as you can see, the whole depopulation is working, ladies and gentlemen. It is working as planned. And this is all orchestrated. And so, what they're going to do and what they're already doing, as we can see through other stuff we covered here at the Dust and Gold Standard, is a push for artificial intelligence and robotics to replace a lot of the humans. That's the whole idea behind this. Goes on to say other factors contributing to the shortage of U.S. workers coming out of the pandemic include laid off workers who took themselves out of the traditional workforce by choosing to become self-employed or going to work for gig companies, as I've covered in depth on this show. Also, we learned from Magdalene Rose, the 23-year-old conservative activist and podcaster, that a lot of the young folks are trying to become professional influencers and they're being paid 500 600 700 a week on instagram to just be an influencer whatever that is uh they promote things like covid when the government tells them to goes on to say to the extent that numbers are available It appears the self-employed workers exceed 2019 levels. It is possible that the seemingly looming recession could result in at least some of those workers returning to the workforce as their new small businesses struggle. And so you will see, yes, some might have gone and started small businesses, but many became gig workers. And there's a lot of gig workers. And this comes out of Instacart, uh, the grocery app. It comes out of Uber, the taxi service, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, fast food delivery. Uh, these people do form LLC sometimes. I know many that did. So it'll be set up as a business, but they aren't actually starting a business. They're not building a book of business. They don't have customers, right? The customers belong to the technocrats that run those platforms, those gig platforms. And so when they're talking about those small businesses starting to struggle, they're struggling because the uh, people doing gig work aren't making as much money as they were under the pandemic. So now they're going to try to return to the workforce. But if AI and robotics is already in the process of replacing these folks, whether it be at a McDonald's where they don't need cashiers working the front anymore because they have kiosks where people order, then those people, those young folks who went out and started gig work are not going to find a job when they come back to the workforce. And that's where universal basic income is going. Going to come in to play government to the rescue problem reaction solution goes on to say 
Secondly, the frustrating and exhausting experiences of many workers during the pandemic, including the stresses of working in understaffed workplaces operating under COVID protocols, the stress of school closings and childcare issues, caring for elderly relatives, and similar daily challenges resulted in a greater focus by many on work-life balance. Work-life balance has long been a focus of millennials who comprise the majority of today's workforce. The desire for flexibility in their job to permit sufficient time for family matters has caused some to remain on the sidelines awaiting that perfect job. Relatedly, the labor participation rate for women fell more than 3% during the pandemic and remains below the pre-pandemic levels. In many cases, the initial exit from the workplace of working mothers came with the closure of schools and childcare facilities, where financial conditions permitted many formerly working mothers made the decision to stay home permanently. Finally, the continued implementation of advanced technology, increasing automation of the workplace, eliminates some jobs and creates jobs for new skill sets that many workers do not currently possess, like being an engineer or being a programmer, right? Goes on to say the United States is not unique in this regard. Across the developed world, more than 10 million manufacturing jobs remain vacant because of a worker skills gap. While many employers are investing in reskilling and upskilling, it will take time to sufficiently train a more modern workforce. But regardless, automation of the workplace grows by leaps and bounds in the meantime. When we consider all the factors that impact the labor participation rate, along with the long-term trends that may reduce the overall number of workers, employers could be facing a permanent struggle to find workers. All right. I wanted to read this from this trade, okay, from the air conditioning, heating, and refrigeration news, because they didn't really play a lot of politics in here. These are just good numbers. The point of this is to show you, this is orchestrated. They're talking about this labor shortage caused by COVID land, the high school theater production, and all the policies that were put into place and all the causes of the problems that came out of COVID land that created this labor shortage. And so if you're an employer, you're going to be driven towards auto automation, AI, robotics. If you're an employee and you left your job and you went into gig work and now you're not making the money, you're going to go back looking for those jobs. They're not going to exist anymore. Uh, And or they're going to tell you you have to be an engineer or a programmer to work in that field now. And so those people are going to be pushed towards and driven towards universal basic income, which is coming up next right after the break. Let me show you how this UBI scam works. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. And you are here with me, ladies and gentlemen, because you want to know the truth. And we are going to get to the bottom of all this, ladies and gentlemen, so we can figure out how the hell to navigate this technocracy. 
All right, up on the screen, folks, I have a WashingtonPost.com article. This is actually a very good, it's a comprehensive article. Uh, don't worry about the fact that it's from Washington Post. We're going to get into universal basic income. They're obviously pushing for it. So it's fine because this is what people are reading who would be in favor of universal basic income. And it sounds all fine and dandy, right? You can't find a job. Automation is replacing humanity. Don't worry. The government's going to come to the rescue, and they're going to somehow magically print more money, but this time not on a printing press. This will be printed, uh, minted in the cloud as central bank digital currency, and it'll be distributed to you. And that's the least that the technocrats could do as they run all the factories with artificial intelligence and robotics and they replace you and you can't find a job. So the government's just going to pay you to sit home and do nothing. We used to call it welfare. And uh, back in the days of my parents, when you were a kid, if you were on welfare, you were embarrassed by it. Sometime in my lifetime, and I'm 41 years old, it became kind of cool to be on welfare, actually, to flim-flam the system and collect multiple welfare checks. Oh, yeah, there's all kinds of people doing that. It's a big scam operation. But I think at the end of the day, it actually devalues humanity. So you sit home and you eat Twinkies on the couch while you're watching uh, reruns of jerry springer but it's all good because the government uh, has replaced you but they're going to make ends meet by giving you a thousand dollars a month uh, as if that's going to help you in the world that we live in so let's get into universal basic income because this is going to tie into central bank digital currency and it's all very important uh it ties into this uh, orchestrated labor shortage and so you'll see all the pieces of the puzzle fitting together as these guys use the science of social engineering technocracy to move us into this systematic uh control of the means of production and the distribution of goods and services All right, it says right here, uh, universal basic income has been tested repeatedly. It works. Will America ever embrace it? The extraordinary success and thorny politics of a bold policy idea. And this is written by Megan Greenwell on October 24, 2022. And uh, for those of you that don't know, we have rolled out various UBI programs. They'll discuss some of these in this article. Uh, across the country it's already being tested i mean in my opinion the stimulus checks were a test for universal basic income the stimulus checks we received under covid land the high school theater production they created a problem people were out of work provoked a reaction what are we going to do we need money then the solution here here's your universal basic income All right, it says right here in January 2019, Zona Everett was sitting in an airport when her phone rang. On the other end of the line, a voice informed her that she had been randomly chosen to receive $500 a month as part of something called the Stockton Economic Empowerment Demonstration. They used to get a knock at the door, and it was Publishers Clearinghouse. You just won $500 a month, and here you get these balloons to go along with it. Yay! Publishers Clearinghouse is amazing. Well, now it's the Stockton Economic Empowerment Demonstration. Imagine these folks knocking on your door. Hello? Yes, you just won. This is the Stockton Economic Empowerment Demonstration. Yay! <laughs> you got to make light of this sometimes, folks, seriously. 
It goes on to say, whenever it had first heard about SEED, oh, SEED, that's what it's called, the Stockton Economic Empowerment Demonstration SEED, a few weeks earlier. (laughs) There's so many jokes there, but I'd like to keep this show family-friendly, folks. So she first heard about SEED. Uh, She'd wondered if it might be a scam, as things that sound too good to be true often are. Her pastor assured her that it was real, that 125 residents of poor neighborhoods in Stockton, California, would receive money as part of a groundbreaking experiment. When she got the call, Everett thought she was receiving a one-time payment, which was thrilling enough. Then the woman on the phone told her she'd receive $500 every month for a year and a half with no strings attached. She nearly collapsed from joy right there in the airport. Folks, that's $9,000 she was going to receive, right? Suddenly, Everett, who in 2018 had lost her job as a Department of Defense logistics specialist, had subsequently tried to make ends meet by driving for DoorDash, then had taken out significant unsubsidized loans to attend college online in a bid to improve her employment prospects, saw a path back to stability. She would be able to cover her car payments and the rent to keep her phone on without giving up her monthly tithe to her church. All right. All right. There's a lot to unpack there, folks. So you have this woman, and uh, what was her name again? Zona Everett, right? She's sitting in the airport. Her phone rings. She's told she's going to get $500 a month for the next uh, year and a half, so it'll be uh, $9,000. And we find out in 2018 she lost her job as a Department of Defense logistics specialist. Okay, we don't know how that happened. And so she's working for DoorDash, trying to make ends meet, so she's driven into the gig industry, as I talk about all the time. We just got done talking about that in the first couple of segments. And now she's in college, right, trying to increase her work uh, skills. Right, which we know from Yuval Noah Harari, the uh, fourth industrial revolution king philosopher, the right-hand man to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, that in the technocracy, in the fourth industrial revolution, you will constantly have to retrain because once technology starts to grow exponentially, the work skills you have today will be irrelevant tomorrow. And so you will constantly have to be retraining. So this woman, in my eyes, Zona Everett, she fits right in with the model explained by Yuval Noah Harari. So she's got to make her car payments. She's got to pay her rent. So she's got car payments. I don't know why she just doesn't go buy an older used car. She's got to pay her rent. She's got to keep her phone on. And she's got to keep giving money to the church. All right, it says, for Mayor Michael Tubbs, that was exactly the point. Since childhood, Tubbs had watched his mom and his friends struggle with everyday expenses while receiving only minimal help from the government in Stockton, one of the poorest cities in the country which sits in California's Central Valley. He theorized that a relatively small guaranteed income, just $6,000 a year, uh, uh, a year per recipient, enough to cover the occasional emergency expense or supplement a minimum wage salary, 
would single-handedly eliminate the insecurity that governed the lives of many poor Stockton residents. And so, with funds and guidance from the nonprofit Economic Security Project, he created a pilot program, one of the first of its kind in the country. His goal was as simple as it was ambitious, to run a demonstration project so successful that national politicians would have no choice but to consider adopting guaranteed income as national policy. All right, so you've got this mayor here, Tubbs, and he's going to start handing out money, like Jack Nicholson as the Joker in the Michael Keaton Batman movie, where he's driving down the street on the float, throwing money out all over the place. So this is it. This is what happens. Now, listen, folks, if you're part of any of these programs and you're taking money, more power to you. I mean, if the government's going to throw money away, at this point, I say take it. I used to uh, I used to put myself on a pedestal before and I'd say, I'm not taking it. Well, you know what? If the government's going to throw this money away, money that they are printing and just adding to the debt that they're piling on my child and my future great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchild, then uh, I'd be stupid not to take it at this point, folks. I mean, this is collapsing. We're in a fire sale. We're moving into the fourth industrial revolution. So there you go. There's a solution. If the government is throwing money at you... Uh, Uh, Just put your morals aside and take that check because at this point, what does it really matter, folks? You can still use it and spend it and buy yourself some prepping supplies. Take the money and go buy, I don't know, bags of rice, bags of flour, whatever it may be. Put it to good use. It goes on to say, sitting in a Stockton Starbucks nearly three years later, a soft-spoken Everett remembered nearly every detail of that faithful phone call from Seed. Swaddled in a white puffer coat on an unseasonably cold day, her hair in a low bun, she looked younger than her 51 years as she cradled a caramel frappuccino and choked up as she described the immediate impact the payments had on her life. I mean, is this like a comedy piece? So she's sitting there drinking a caramel frappuccino, wearing a white puffer coat, talking about her car payment. Now, look, I am not judging this woman, but I'm saying this is written in a way that it almost makes you want to say, hey, um, maybe get your priorities straight. It goes on to say she quit driving for DoorDash, which gave her the time to find a job as a factory worker at Tesla's plant in Fremont, 60 miles from Stockton. She was able to escape. This is seriously, you've got every tag word in this. I I would like to know if this person is even real. So she was working for the government as a logistics coordinator, and she shifts to DoorDash. She's paying her way to go to college, and then she ends up working at Tesla while she's drinking a caramel frappuccino and wearing a white puffer coat. I mean, come on. Come on, this sounds fake, but she quit driving for DoorDash. But again, we're reading the stuff that mainstream folks read, all right? This is what gets people, this is what tugs at their heartstrings. This is what plays to human emotion and will force people into the idea of accepting a universal basic income. She quit driving for DoorDash, which gave her the time to find a job as a factory worker at Tesla's plant in Fremont, 60 miles from Stockton. She was able to escape a dysfunctional marriage and move into her own home. Quote, for me, it was a stepping stone. It got me to where I was okay with myself, end quote, she says. 
quote. It was right on time. Everything in me was just like, oh, thank you so much, Lord, end quote. The seed program was scheduled to end in the summer of 2020, but its founders secured additional donations to fund an extra six months to get people through the worst days of the pandemic. That was another lifesaver for Everett, who was diagnosed with a severe case of COVID-19 and struggled with lingering symptoms, leaving her unable to work for most of the year. Fortunately, the $500 a month from Seed plus disability payments <laughs> proved to be enough to pay her bills. Folks, could they pack any more into this? All right, let's just... Oh my God. This is seriously like a comedy piece I would write on state. Look, and I read this before, uh, and I'm going to get to the point about universal basic income, but this is hilarious. So, this woman has COVID 19. Uh, she's unable to work for most of the year. She goes on disability. She uh, gets fired from her job at the government. She ends up working for Tesla. She's going to college. She has a white puffer jacket, car payments, a phone payment, uh, and tithes to her church. And she thanks God for all of this as she receives her $500 a month seed welfare universal basic income payment. All right. I think we've got that right, folks. So this sets it up. This is this woman here, Ms. Everett. Ms. Everett. Oh, and she left her husband and moved into her own home. Oh, thank the Lord for that. All right, folks. This is getting to be quite interesting. A little break from all the techie stuff with the CBDC, the Central Bank Digital Currency. I hope this is a great story. I mean, I'm serious. This is fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, let me laugh over this break. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv ladies and gentlemen welcome back i am dustin gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. This is hilarious, folks. It sounds like the setup to a really crazy joke. The only thing that the Washington Post forgot to pack in here is that this woman, Ms. Everett, has one leg, and she recently was a trial uh, for the Elon Musk Neuralink brain chip, which she had implanted in her head, and it helps her walk. I mean, that would top off. <laughs> that would top off this story, would it not, ladies and gentlemen? All right, all right. Let's continue. It goes on to say, if you just learned about guaranteed income in the past few years, chances are it was from the presidential campaign of Andrew Yang, who got a lot of attention for his proposal that the government offer $1,000 monthly payments to all Americans. And as we know, Andrew uh, Yang was backed by Elon Musk when he was running for president, because Elon Musk, I'll show you, is a big fan of universal basic income. And so back in, uh, what was it, 20... 18, I think, 2018 or 2019, I went to 
Politicon. It was a big political conference, uh, leans left, in uh, Nashville. And I was covering it with Douglas Dakota, whose show I was producing at the time. And so Doug and his wife and myself and my ex-stepson and Chrissy Piccolo, who I've had on the show, we went there. And Andrew Yang was a big deal at this conference. And so we interviewed a lot of young kids. And they were like, yes, we love this idea of universal basic income. Yeah, Andrew Yang is going to give us a thousand dollars and i said to them how old are you i'm 19 i'm in college for a programmer i said what is a thousand dollars going to do for you i mean today as a college student it could do a lot but what happens tomorrow when you're on your own and that thousand dollars you're taking what is it in exchange for your soul your very humanity you know it was quite interesting seeing all these kids get excited about this It goes on to say, but versions of this concept had been circulating for decades among academics and progressive activists. Oh, the wonderful progressives that were leading the eugenics movement uh, from the late 1800s to the mid-1930s. Which, by the way, by the way, I'm not going to put this in the show today, but someone had sent me a video from Canada And they're talking about actually being able to murder a child up to one years old if it turns out they have any physical or mental disabilities. So as it's called MAID, M-A-I-D, I I forget what it stands for. So I said, eugenics never ended with the death of Adolf Hitler, as the historians would like you to believe. It's alive and well in the form of transhumanism, abortion, and now MAID. So you can kill a child up to one year if it develops any mental or physical disabilities that's really cute folks really cute wonderful world we live in goes on to say and as the country shut down in the early days of the pandemic the conditions appeared ripe to try something new something radical pilot programs launched in los angeles in new orleans in denver but also in historically less progressive cities like birmingham alabama columbia south carolina and gainesville florida In March 2020, even a vast majority of congressional Republicans backed a $2 trillion stimulus bill that included unconditional cash payments for tens of millions of Americans. See, I told you folks, the stimulus check was universal basic income. That's the kind of stuff you could pull out of here from the Washington Post, the truth, the actual truth, and the Republicans were behind that as well. So I told you, Republicans and Democrats, it makes no difference. The country continues to move in one direction. And let me just point out to you, the first part of that article describing that woman, Miss Everett, the the star of this... That is 100% pure propaganda. You see how they covered every aspect from tithing to her church to drinking a uh, frappuccino, caramel frappuccino. They have all these details in there. It's like telling a joke on stage as a comedian. You hit on all these different elements in the setup to create buy-in from the audience. Because within the audience, there's going to be someone who drinks caramel frappuccino, someone who wears a puffer jacket, someone who loves Tesla, someone who uh, you know goes to church and tithes. So it hits every single person that's reading this. It'll hit them in their own ways. Those are just triggers for the personalized choose-your-own-adventure feedback loops I've talked about in the past. So that was written specifically as Uh, propaganda to draw the reader in goes on to say since then the mayors for a guaranteed income coalition which drew out of seed 
has swelled to more than 90 members in three dozen programs. A $15 million donation from Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey helped fund many of the pilots. And yeah, I did a lot of research into the pilots that Jack Dorsey was funding. So I was Twitter co-founder. Uh, yeah, because Jack Dorsey really wants to help people. And remember, folks, the progressives that are all about murdering people, forced sterilizations, putting people in asylums, uh, forced breeding. Yeah, those same progressives now care about about people right they want you to be able to kill your child up to one year after it's born they want you to be able to have an abortion up till the day of the birth and kill it on the operating table if it comes out alive are the same people that are so concerned with giving everyone 500 or a thousand dollars a month to help them live better lives you have to be kidding yourself if you buy into this seriously these are sick demented anti-human freaks is what they are they are buying your freedom, your liberty, and your prosperity. They are buying your human autonomy, all right, forcing you into a life of eternal poverty and slavery to the system, to the state, in exchange for universal basic income, just like they've done to the people over the years with welfare. They got them hooked on it. They pay them to stay poor. They pay them to stay poor and to stay slaves to the system, living in a government house, buying groceries with government EBT cards. This is disgusting what these people are doing. They are anti-human. They are dehumanizing people, which all plays into the engineering of humanity out of existence. They are breaking people. They are destroying them. All right, let's continue. It says, now, though as the country emerges from the pandemic, the guaranteed income movement sits at a crossroads. The pilot programs have created scores of stories like Everett's about how a small amount of money led to massive change in a recipient's life. And a growing body of research based on the experiments shows that guaranteed income works. Oh, yeah, for experiments. That it pulls people out of poverty, improves health outcomes, and makes it easier for people to find jobs and take Take care of their children. They're such liars, folks. They're such liars. Go through the research. Giving somebody $500 a month extra does not pull them out of poverty. This is such a lie. The whole point of universal basic income is to pay people to stay poor. Andrew Yang's whole entire presidential run was about paying you to make up for the robots and the artificial intelligence taking your job. He was saying, this is inevitable, so we're going to pay you to shut up until, until what? When they don't need you anymore. What do you think is going to happen to you when they don't need you anymore? Look at the eugenics programs. Folks, everything I do on this show on the Dust and Gold Standard has a purpose. There is a method to my madness. I know sometimes I come across like I have ADHD, but that's because I'm trying to connect so many dots for you, so many moving parts. There's like a hundred puzzles sitting on my desk, but all the puzzles actually can go together and become one giant puzzle. Think about what we talked about coming out of the eugenics programs of the late 1800s to the mid-1930s, what the progressive era economists were doing, the eugenicists, the anti-humans. They were putting policies into place. We learned about... Um, minimum wage. The whole purpose of the minimum wage laws when it came into effect in this country was to drive lower end workers out of the workforce, forcing employers to say, wait a minute, Dustin or Mike or Maria or Jim 
are not good enough to work here and I'm not going to pay them whatever it be, $5 minimum wage. So I'm going to fire them. And then as soon as you were fired, they could deem you to be unemployable, which then moved you into the category of unfit, which moved you into the category of feeble-minded. And then they would either sterilize you, force you into a concentration camp asylum, or as Tausig, this professor out of Harvard wanted to do, was throw a chloroform rag over your mouth and kill you. Yeah, yeah, the same people are running and pushing this universal basic income. They are saying, like Andrew Yang, we are forcing you out of the workforce with artificial intelligence and AI, so we're going to pay you to stay out of the system until what point, folks? Until they decide to put a chloroform rag over your face. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, spread the word, wake people up to this. This is all orchestrated. I know it's complicated. That's why people like my father, people that are decent, that are generally good-hearted people, cannot grasp this. They cannot understand the level of evil that is actually out there. And if you have to go more than two layers deep in the onion, they just can't grasp the story. It's hard to understand this. It is complicated. It's complicated because there are millions of people working on the social engineering every single day. Look at the documents that Wide Awake Jim found on the climate hustle. Tens of thousands of pages. Look at the documents I pulled up on the origins of Technocracy Incorporated. Thousands of pages. Look at all these CBDC white papers I'm finding. Thousands of pages. This stuff is deep. It's not easy to explain to people. But it is real. It is coming. It is orchestrated. And it says right here, if empirical evidence ruled the world, guaranteed income would be available to every poor person in America. And many of those people would no longer be poor. That's a complete and total lie. That's what they said about welfare for years. If we give it to people, it will pull them out of poverty. Poverty has only increased since those programs started because they are paying people to stay poor they are breeding generational poverty they give you just enough just enough to get by no one is saving that no one is building wealth and if you can just get by and you could just get used to living inside of your section 8 apartment and just get used to using your free bus coupons to get on the bus and just get used to eating twinkies and cornflakes and just get used to being able to stay at home and do nothing all day then that's what you accept that's what you accept you are no different than a slave you're a slave to the state the same as a slave on a plantation and if they breed that in generationally if you were born into a slave plantation and you wake up one day and you are just picking cotton on the farm and being whipped by some cracker master. You don't know any different. You don't know what is outside the walls of the plantation. Just like they tell us the people in North Korea don't know what is outside the walls of the hermit nation. 
They don't have access to the internet. They don't have access to see what's outside. That's what we're in, folks. If you're born into the technocracy, you do not know any different. It's only people like myself and like you and Mike Moore and Maria and Jim and Legal Man that have whatever this DNA is that's running through us that makes us like Neo in the Matrix. We know something is wrong. We can feel that something is wrong. And so we go do the research like we're doing today and we feel figure out what exactly it is and this is the agent smiths and the robots and the artificial intelligence sitting here programming this matrix prison planet around us and many people just can't wake up to it but folks this is what we're in this is what they think of us they're gearing this up universal basic income rolled out in the form of central bank digital currency programmed so guess what this everett lady when she's on it she won't be able to buy a caramel frappuccino because there is no freedom inside of the technate as was admitted to over a hundred years ago in the original documents on technocracy and technocracy incorporated ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back this is dust and gold with the dust and gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold my name is dustin gold all right folks if you haven't done so please leave us a five-star review at apple Podcasts and a comment i love the comments folks i think we're at 84 we were up to 90 and somehow apple they they go and they scale them back every time we reach a certain level they pull some away so we're at 84 i'd like to get to 100 folks there's thousands of you listening so please do that ladies and gentlemen check us out at pain.tv slash gold you get the ad free video version of this podcast as well as the thomas Payne podcast and on the video obviously you can see all the articles and everything i'm pulling up and then uh if you'd like to leave a donation please do so at donorbox.org slash dustin gold show and we'll be launching a little website soon with the links to all this stuff um so that you can get there easily ladies and gentlemen links to everything is in the description below the podcast as always all right let's continue here on this washington post article on universal basic income it says but empirical evidence okay and so where we left off ladies and gentlemen we were talking about uh, if empirical evidence ruled the world guaranteed income would be available to every poor person in america and many of those people would no longer be poor which is a complete and total lie it goes on to say but empirical evidence does not rule the world and it is far from clear that there is a political path forward for guaranteed income on a large scale the city-level experiments cannot last forever. Stockton's lapsed in early 2021, a few months after Tubbs lost his re-election bid to a Republican successor who showed no interest in trying to keep seed going. On Capitol Hill, too, political momentum for handing out cash has waned. At the end of 2021, an extension of the expanded child tax credit, which was seen by many advocates as a key stepping stone to guaranteed income, was blocked by a Democrat representing the state with the sixth highest poverty rate in the country. 
And I'm telling you, folks, it's I'm not going to break it all down right now, but it's happening. This is all happening. They get people used to it, and then they take it away, and then that ends up setting the stage for introducing full-blown UBI under a central bank digital currency, all right? So it's, it's just problem, reaction, solution loops over and over and over again. Early in the pandemic, some in the guaranteed income movement had begun to whisper about accelerating the timeline for taking their efforts nationwide. America's most progressive social Social policies have always grown out of economic crises. I'll go back to that in a second. So maybe COVID would bring about a guaranteed income policy in the next few years, right? So it says America's most progressive social policies have always grown out of economic crises. So I went into in the past the, the uh, panic of 1893. We went into the Great Depression. Uh, Panic of 1893 inspired a lot of the technocracy movement, the uh, eugenics movement, and then as we move into the Great Depression, obviously we get out of that. The New Deal, which I showed you, the New Deal was tied into the uh, technocrats and ushering in the Social Security system, tagging people with a Social Security number. That was all part of the technocracy movement. So they do move this stuff out of these crises, and right now, what do we have going on? We have this orchestrated collapse from COVID land, the high school theater production, uh, coupled with this orchestrated inflation, orchestrated collapse of the supply chains, all orchestrated because they're moving us further into technocracy. As you know, as you realize, the answers to all of the problems created by technology, and you could go all the way back to the industrial era and the industrial boom and then the technocrats saying well the industrial era that we created the scientists the engineers created led to all of this unemployment and so the only way to fix the solution is to give all the power to the scientists the engineers and the technologists and let us manage the whole system under a full-blown technocracy and that we will lift people up out of they weren't saying poverty at the time but out of desperation because then they will basically become wards of the state and the state will feed them and clothe them and so no one will be suffering so as you see today it's no different the answer to the problems caused by technology is always more technology the answers to the slavery that people are living under is more slavery this is how they further drive people into the slave state goes on to say but the failure of the expanded federal uh uh, child tax credit diminished some of that optimism. Many of those same advocates are now looking toward the long game. Quote, you have to be willing to fight for something to the end, end quote, says Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott, who recently launched a guaranteed income experiment. Quote, even if it doesn't happen, even if you only push it a few feet further, even if it means that you die doing it, end quote. Without a radical solution, like, say, giving people money with no strings attached, America will continue to be the home to one of the worst rates of income inequality of any rich nation in the world. But, of course, they always claim there's income inequality, but it's always the rich, wealthy elites that are the ones trying to launch these programs to help level the playing field, right? Because they love you. They love you, folks. These people love you. Goes on to say, and from city to city, there is massive energy and momentum to keep expanding this experiment. But true believers also harbor a sense of anxiety about what the future holds. 
Quote, I'm worried, end quote, says Sean Klein, the associate director of Stanford University's Basic Income Lab, quote, that these guaranteed income demonstrations are going to sunset and then it's just going to go quiet, end quote. Right? Right, folks? Experiments going on all over the place. Social engineering. Goes on to say, for as long as America has had a poverty problem, which is to say for its entire history, a small group of dreamers has proposed guaranteed income as a solution. The idea dates to the year the country was founded. Thomas Paine, not Mike Moore, proposed the type of basic income in his 1776 pamphlet, quote, Common Sense, end quote. In the mid-20th century, it gained traction among black American thinkers. In 1966, the Black Panthers' 10-point program demanded, quote, uh, employment or a guaranteed income, end quote, for everyone. A year later, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. wrote in his book, quote, where do we go from here, chaos or community, end quote, that government aid programs all have a, quote, common failing. They are indirect. Each seeks to solve poverty by first solving something else. I am now convinced that the simplest approach will prove to be the most effective. The solution to poverty is to abolish it directly by a now widely discussed measure, the guaranteed income, end quote. Now, let me just ask you guys a question. In the current system we live in, going back 100 years, the way the monetary system works and the tax system works, let's say going back to 1913 with the Federal Reserve, where does the guaranteed income come from? I mean, do we print money on trees would be the question people like my father would ask. What, do we print money on trees? Yeah, well, actually we do. It's not real. The money we print is not real. It just adds to the debt pile that's loaded onto the backs of our great-great-great-great-grandchildren that become debt slaves to the system, right? So instead of chateau slaves, they become debt slaves, which is actually going to be talked about in the movie that Legal Man is starring in called Mr. Jones Plantation. I can't wait for that to come out. We'll hopefully be able to do an airing over at pain.tv slash gold. So if they're going to, through all these times throughout history, give away free money, all they're doing is adding to debt that gets strapped onto the backs of your children, your grandchildren, and great-great-great-grandchildren. And it will be the same in central bank digital currency because as they mint the tokens, the same as printing a dollar bill, it still creates a debt column. All right? So it's all a giant scam operation claiming that you're going to pay everyone welfare off of money that's going to create a debt pile it's it's a scam where does it come from okay you can say well it comes from taxes all right so i go to work let's say and i make I don't know, let's just say a thousand dollars a week i make fifty two thousand dollars a year you're going to tax me let's say i don't know twenty percent right so you're going to take about uh, ten thousand dollars a year from me uh ten thousand four hundred dollars and now you're going to redistribute that to other people getting universal basic income, but I'm getting universal basic income. So you're taking my money in the form of tax and giving it back to me? That doesn't even make sense, folks. And there's not enough people in the system working, so it creates debt because they're not bringing in enough taxes. Plus, they still have to pay for the rest of government. It creates debt. What do we spend now? $3.5 trillion a year over what we supposedly take in through taxes and fees? This is why we're 30-something trillion in debt with $300 trillion in unfunded liabilities. It's a scam. The whole thing is a scam. It's a scam, and most people just don't understand it.
goes on to say the first and let me point this out too so what they're talking about there uh in that paragraph was about finding solutions that don't solve the problem that would be retraining people for new careers sending them to college whatever that may be yeah that's not necessarily the solution either but i'm telling you the solution is definitely not adding more technology to the mix adding more automation more artificial intelligence more robots to the mix that's not going to solve the problem. And universal basic income attached to central bank digital currency is definitely not going to solve the problem. It goes on to say the first official proposal for a federal basic income program, though, came not from a, a paragon of progressivism, but from Richard Nixon. In 1969, Nixon introduced the Family Assistance Plan, which would have provided additional cash to poor families through a negative income tax, cutting checks to the poorest Americans instead of them paying the government. Uh, You see how how complicated this is? Of $1,600, about $13,000 today for a family of four. So now, instead of taxing them, you're going to give them a check. How about you get rid of the Federal Reserve, the IRS, and the income tax altogether? How about we start there? It goes on to say the proposal was motivated by Nixon's desire to replace the welfare system, which was unpopular with white blue-collar voters, but it never made it out of the Senate Finance Committee. All right? So this was to replace welfare. So I'm going to replace welfare by giving people welfare? Or just rebranding it, kind of like MK Ultra being rebranded, kind of like eugenics being rebranded, like technocracy being rebranded. It's just rebranding, ladies and gentlemen, just rebranding. It goes on to say many skeptical politicians and voters feared that giving people cash would allow them to quit their jobs, stop looking for work or work less. Around the same time, a series of negative income tax experiments benefiting about 7,500 people in six states appeared to confirm those concerns in seattle and denver where the two largest programs took place married men worked an average of seven percent fewer hours after three years of the program while married and single women worked about 17 percent fewer hours and while researchers didn't look at any other measures of stability whether participants were more likely to seek medical care for example or whether their children missed fewer days of school they did observe a modest increase in the divorce rate Those two factors were enough to destroy widespread interest in guaranteed income experiments for several decades. See, so they introduce these programs, they create a series of problems, and then they provoke reactions, and then they introduce solutions, and then they create a whole nother series of problems. We're going to work through this, folks, because there's a lot of problems to uncover here. I'm doing this again because I'm going to show you how this is going to tie right into the CBDC, Universal Basic Income, that is on the horizon and we have plenty of information to prove that ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back this is dust and gold with the dust and gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's finish this up. It says, over time, however, interpretations of the 1970s experiments have morphed. Participants don't seem to have dropped out of the labor force entirely, suggesting that the money may have given them the luxury of waiting a little longer for the right job to come around instead of rushing into the first available option. See, this is all a system of social engineering, folks. I mean, you can see it. They're obviously trying to engineer solutions here, engineer outcomes. Goes on to say, and working less sometimes mean getting more education, which is almost always a net positive for the economy. An uptick in divorces can be a good thing, too. Of course, when you're trying to break apart families, it could definitely be a good thing. That has been one of the biggest social engineering outcomes of all of this stuff, breaking up marriages. Fantastic. It says studies show that financial insecurity is a major contributor to keeping women in failing relationships, as in Everett's case. In retrospect, the legacy of the first significant guaranteed income pilots was a whole lot of complicated questions and limited information with which to answer them. Well, of course, they didn't have control of the data back then. Now they can track all of this data. And as Yuval Noah Harari says, those in control of the data will be the gods of the new era. Well, he is right about that, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe not gods, but definitely villains, super villains. All right, it goes on here. Meanwhile, the concept of conditional cash transfer programs, in other words, paying poor people for desirable behavior, was gaining steam in middle-income countries like Mexico and Brazil. You see that? Conditional cash transfer programs. In other words, paying poor people for desirable behavior. So you're paying people to make them do what you want them to do. And it's a conditional cash transfer. So we will give you money if you kill yourself, whatever it may be. Well, conditional cash transfer programs are easily managed under central bank digital currency because it is programmable, as we covered here in episode 100. You already know that, folks. But I'm telling you, that's what it is. You will be bribed to do things that the government wants you to do. I mean, what did we just see come out yesterday? Secretary of, what, was it CDC? Uh, I can't remember. Department of Health and Human Services, maybe. He comes out and puts out a tweet yesterday basically telling people to get jabbed every couple of months. So don't worry. Your conditional cash transfer program will be activated when you prove that you got your next jab. Uh, people were writing on that tweet, folks. Check it out. Uh, just look it up. Uh, maybe I'll pull it up over the break just to show you real quick. But yeah, he's basically saying go get jabbed every couple of months. Get jabbed every time you're going to go to a large gathering. Go watch the, um, it was the Jason Bourne movie that did not have, um, what's his name, Matt Damon in it. It was the guy from uh, the Marvel movies. Ah, I forgot his name. Anyway, watch that movie. And basically, he has to keep getting jabbed up with the serum to keep his system intact, to keep him sort of superhuman. I think that's the direction we're moving in with this, folks. Go get jabbed every two months. What, are you kidding me? My own sister. She's jabbed. God only knows how many boosters she had. She just uh, has COVID again today. Now, I don't know how she has COVID. I'll wait because she went and got tested because these people are all addicted to going and getting tested constantly. So she's tested. She has COVID. 
I don't know how many times she's had it. 42. Uh, and then now she's saying in a text message thread to me and my dad, well, I never believed that uh, if I got vaccinated, I wouldn't get COVID. Of course you did. You were saying that in the beginning. These people are now lying to themselves, folks. Lying to themselves. But that's what this conditional cash transfer program under CBDC will do. You go get your jab. You behave. You get access to your tokens. It goes on here. Uh, in 2007, New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg launched a program called Opportunity NYC, which rewarded parents for tasks like taking their children to the doctor and completing job training courses. How the hell does the government have a right to do this? Bribe people with money to go do things the government wants you to do. I mean, that was the whole idea behind the IRS and income tax. They take your money from you at gunpoint and then tell you they'll give you some of it back if you do certain things if you have another kid out of wedlock we will give you five dollars back of your own money unbelievable but now it'll all be done in real time through programmable money real time run by algorithms inside of the artificial intelligence blockchain sphere how great is that folks it goes on the experiment had a moderate positive effect on families, overall finances, but did not boost academic performance among elementary schoolers or increase families' likelihood to speak preventative medical care, researchers found. Bloomberg did not extend the program when it expired in 2010. You know, they're trying to socially engineer people into all of these. Let, let's say they really are do-gooders and they think we're going to give you $1,000 to bribe you to go do something because it's going to make you or your child a better human that can contribute more back to the system. Remember, go back to the origins of Technocracy Incorporated. Everything is about being a better human for the system. You were just a human engine. You're inefficient, but we'll make you more efficient so you can give back to the system well how about this how about your social engineering turned everyone into morons into idiots into lazy people how about you get out of the way because you are the problem how about we pay you a universal basic income to get the hell out of here we say listen i know you're a criminal you're a thief you like to steal money from us you like to take money from us based on our labor our skill set the products we produce the products we sell the services we offer you're criminals you're the mafia you want your vig you want 10 percent of what i make how about we just pay you the 10 percent like we would in taxes but we'll pay you so you can stay rich to stay the hell out of the way like you guys could just move to an island together and sit there and play backgammon in the nude or whatever it is like a bohemian grove kind of thing but you never come back into our world just leave us the hell alone leave us the hell alone goes on to say among many poverty scholars and activists conditional cash transfers are seen as a step in the right direction but only a small one to maximize the impact on poor people's lives they say money must be a right not a reward because that's the only way to empower people to make their own choices quote there are positive outcomes for conditional cash there are positive outcomes for unconditional cash end quote klein says quote but i think for me making it conditional misses a really fundamental value around trust dignity agency and freedom end quote 
The word, quote, dignity, end quote, comes up a lot among guaranteed income advocates. Research shows that the vast majority of people don't, quote, waste, end quote, cash on vices like drugs and alcohol, but rather use even small amounts to improve their life circumstances dramatically. In a 2019 working paper, Nobel Prize winning development economist Abhijat Banerjee and two co-authors concluded that the distribution of unconditional cash in low-income countries had positive effects on, quote, income, assets, savings, borrowing, total, expenditure, food, expenditure, dietary diversity, school attendance, test scores, cognitive development, use of health facilities, labor force participation, child labor migration, domestic violence, women's empowerment, marriage, fertility, and use of contraception, among others. End quote. All right, so unconditional cash, free money, had a positive effect on all this stuff, right? I'm sure they study this in depth, folks. Uh, Bonarigi is part of the research team studying the world's largest basic income program, which is midway through a 12-year run across 300 rural villages in Kenya. For about 5,000 people, that means an extra $22 a month for more than a decade. Thus far, the researchers have found participants have been less likely to get sick or go hungry and more likely to start a business. So what is that? Uh, $22 a month times uh, it's two twenty and 44 is 264 over 10 years is what? $2,640 over 5,000 people. So for pretty cheap, like if you're a, a millionaire, a billionaire, you could go and bribe all these people of Kenya and the rural villages to do whatever the hell you want. That's a pretty cheap social experiment over there. Wow. Wow. That's, I mean, that's amazing. I wonder what you could get them to do for $2,600 over 10 years. I mean, even you and I could pitch into a program like that, folks. It goes on to say, in the United States, which has the world's largest gross domestic product, the basic income uh, calculus is different than in places like Kenya, where a significant minority of people live on less than $1 a day. But America has its own unique fact, less than a dollar a day. I knew that was uh, happening. I didn't know uh, that that was still going on. Less than a dollar a day, folks. I could go over there and get a producer to run this show. It would save me a lot of time and help me figure out how to launch some more marketing around this. Dollar a day. goes on to say, but America has its own unique factors like that inequality rate and a history of racist policies that have left a disproportionate number of people of color at the bottom of the income scale. Let me just tell you something, though, because one day I'd love to go over to a place like Kenya and look at this. Because these folks, it says right here, what? These people are living on less than $1 a day. You know why? You know why? Because they're full Amish. All right? I guarantee because they're full Amish. So what happens? You have all the technocrats that go, eh, 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 that's not allowed to happen. You can't live like an indigenous person. You can't live old school style. You can't be happy in a mud hut eating the vegetables that you grow locally. No, we have to go over there and get you hooked on Nike shoes and uh, Disney backpacks so that you will become part of our technocratic system. They live on a dollar a day. Show them how to live on $500 a day. Then we'll get them addicted to good old uh, materialism, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. 
That's what's going on over there. Goes on to say, indeed, Tubbs and his counterparts frame basic income as something akin to reparations, a way to alleviate harm done to marginalized people by decades of bias and ineffective policy. How about by you socially engineering their communities and destroying their families? That's what you've done. Their reparations should be to hang you from a tree and beat you with a stick. That's what they should do to all these technologists, these technocrats. These people going over there meddling in their lives and their culture. It goes on to say the seed recipients were struggling to survive because society had let them down, Tubbs argues, and the conventional methods of helping them were paternalistic and inadequate. In Baltimore, where more than one in five residents live below the federal poverty line, a new guaranteed income pilot gives $1,000 a month to 200 recipients, all of them parents in high-crime neighborhoods. Quote, we're like the birthplace of racial redlining right end quote scott says quote you're not going to erase inequality inequity that was caused by policy without creating policy to do the opposite Uh, how, how do they legally do this how does the government go and give 200 random people a thousand dollars a month but doesn't give it to the rest of the people if this is interesting folks i mean seriously you see this social engineering going on in real time i'm telling you this is leading into the ubi under the central bank digital currency i'm going to show you that shortly ladies and gentlemen this is what's coming these progressive economist psychopaths the same people running the eugenics programs of the early 1900s running the original technocracy plans who put fdr's new deal into place they are hard at work folks they obviously said we didn't make enough people poor enough Let's continue. And now we'll give them central bank digital currency, UBI, and we'll be able to control everything that they can buy, they can sell, control their movements, control everything. Because if you perform for the system, then you will get your shekels. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from the break. Welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Yeah, folks, I was going to get into Elon Musk and the news on the Neuralink brain chip today, but frankly, this is more important, honestly. I mean, the brain chip is the brain chip, and it's going to do what it's going to do. I am going to cover it, though, in the next day or two. I actually downloaded the full live stream press conference, his demonstration, and so we're going to go through some of that um, maybe tomorrow or the day after, but I want to get through this and then show you the link up of how this goes into universal basic income, and then we'll go into Elon Musk backing UBI, and then we'll use that as the segue into the brain chip, and we'll take a little break before we get back to consensus. And then from consensus, we're going to go into the panel discussions on central bank digital currency. So there's a lot to cover. 
and I wish I could be putting out two two hour shows a day right now to get through all this, but unfortunately, with William and with my mother in law here, and with having to work on some business stuff behind the scenes connected to this show, and I'll be uh, fully transparent and show you what's going on in the coming weeks, uh, what we're doing, what we had to do, why we had to do it, but. This right now is very important because it's coming at warp speed, and this stuff is going to have a major effect on our life. And again, as I started the show talking about my father and him expecting solutions, I try to explain to him that you can't come up with solutions until you actually understand the problem. You really need to understand the problem and what is coming at us before you can figure out how the hell you're going to work around it. Uh, Otherwise, you're just going to come up with a solution that is not going to be relevant in a couple of months. It's the same as trying to form a business and putting a business model together in a business plan. You're trying to project five, 10 years down the road. Look at all the things that'll go right, everything that'll go wrong, so that your business plan, although it may be adjusted as you move forward, is going to be fairly accurate. Otherwise, if you sit there and you say, well, my revenue stream is X, but you didn't do the research and don't realize that that revenue stream is going to be gone in six months, but you're counting on that money to come in five years from now. So that's what we're doing here. Before you start going crazy and moving all your money around and trying to insulate it, you probably want to understand the system that is coming so that then you can make educated decisions on what to do with your money or what to do about your future income or what to do about social security so that's why we're going into this all right let's continue the notion of guaranteed income as a government-backed corrective for decades of racist policies has spread to dozens of cities many led by young black mayors scott 38 consults regularly with st louis mayor uh, Taishura Jones, 50, whose city launched a guaranteed income pilot in December 2021. St. Paul, Minnesota, Mayor Melvin Carter, 43, serves as co-chair of Mayors for Guaranteed Income and is a mentor to Tubbs, 32. According to Tubbs, guaranteed income programs in Columbia, South Carolina, Shreveport, Louisiana, and Atlanta were the result of a black... <coughs> Excuse me, folks, I just sneezed. And Atlanta were the result of a black mayor's group text shortly after George Floyd's murder in which he evangelized for King's approach to solving urban poverty before sending everyone a copy of, quote, where do we go from here, end quote. Now, what's important about this is if you listen to this show, I mean, did you have any idea, did any other podcaster cover this Washington Post article? And the reason why I use this, I told you, is because it's jam-packed with intelligence. I found dozens upon dozens of articles of all these individual UBI programs going on. Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, were sending them to me. And then I started doing research, and I came across this article, and I said, this is great because it's all jammed into one article. Has anyone else covered this? See, did you know this was going on at this kind of scale? You might have heard about one UBI program going on, but folks, this is gigantic. It's a movement. It's happening. And as we go further, we can dissect these programs and find them tied to technocrats like Elon Musk, like Jack Dorsey, who's funding many of these programs. And you'll say to yourself, what is Jack Dorsey, co-founder of Twitter, a complete and total madman, a technocrat, want anything to do with handing out money to people under universal basic income does he love people why didn't he just give him a free twitter account oh wait he did but then they took him all away 
So you see, folks, this is why it's important, because now you've just been exposed to a huge movement here, part of technocracy, that you probably didn't know about. I mean, maybe some of you have studied this. I'm sure many of you have, because you're a very intelligent audience. But if you haven't, now you understand what's actually going on out there. goes on to say, it's no coincidence that these are the people plotting the future of guaranteed income in America, Scott argues. Many of them grew up in families that would have benefited from guaranteed income programs. Quote, we're the first group of elected folks who actually lived through all of this shit. End quote, he said. Looking up from his phone for a rare moment during a 30-minute interview at Baltimore City Hall and drawing out the vowel sound in, quote, lived, end quote, we lived through crack and heroin. We lived through zero tolerance. So all the stuff that folks are now talking about, we understand it in a way that no one else does, end quote. Well, why don't you talk to the state that you serve about all those problems? It goes on to say the most basic objection to guaranteed income program is about cost. Providing $1,000 a month to every American regardless of income, which some scholars argue would make the policy more palatable than one targeted to people in poverty, would cost $3.1 trillion a year, nearly half the federal government's entire budget in 2021. Right, so you collect all the tax money and then hand it back to everyone. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. And then spend, so let's say you collected $3 trillion in taxes, then you're going to hand $3 trillion back to the people, but now you're going to have $6 trillion in debt to add, so an additional $3 trillion. So the program costs $3 trillion to hand out $3 trillion and adds $3 trillion to the debt. Debt slavery. Debt slavery. And let me ask you this. If you give out a free $1,000 a month to every single person in the United States, that $1,000 effectively becomes worthless. It becomes zero because everyone has it. So it doesn't draw people out of poverty. It's ridiculous. And yet the adage that it is expensive to be poor applies not just to individuals but to their governments. A mountain of evidence shows how tightly income inequality correlates with crime rates education levels, drug abuse, incarceration, intimate partner violence, and physical and mental health, which together cost billions upon billions of tax dollars. Numerous studies, for example, have found it would be cheaper to give homes to unhoused people than it is to cover all the costs associated with allowing them to stay on the streets. But progressives have faced an uphill climb to convince policymakers and voters that providing free housing is a worthwhile strategy. We'll go back to the original progressive plan of eugenics and just kill them all goes on to say, while there isn't yet research on the potential economic benefits of guaranteed income specifically, studies of similar initiatives have shown that pulling people out of poverty generates a huge increase in tax revenue, as well as savings on public assistance programs. So we're going to give them free money to pull them out of poverty to then tax them back into poverty. Yeah, this is the government for you. This is the state. This is the state. Now, the people running these programs have no actual power. These are puppets of the system. They are running these programs because this is the foundation for what will become the central bank's universal basic income. All right. And that is going to pay people to stay poor, put them into a control state, a slave state until they move to the next step, which I don't know. 
they're probably going to start talking about killing people again. I mean, I, do you put anything past them at this point? I mean, maybe they don't have to talk about it because they already got people to line up for jabs. They do talk about giving people money every month to give them more access to more health care, which we know what health care is all about. All right, it goes on. First, though, the guaranteed income movement had to show that its idea worked at all. When the current wave of experiments kicked off, the goal was to drown opponent, opponents in data demonstrating that the simplest idea for alleviating poverty was in fact the silver bullet it appeared to be. Of course, whether something, quote, works, end quote, depends on the definition. Obviously, giving people more money makes them less poor, but the Stockton Economic Empowerment Demonstration Team set out to show that as little as $500 a month, not nearly enough to replace actual income, would have a multiplier effect, allowing recipients to improve their employment prospects, their physical health and mental well-being, their children's education and their overall stability. Don't worry, we can engineer all of this stuff with $500 a month. How about all those problems were caused by you, by you? How about the government just getting out of people's lives would uh, end a lot of the mental health problems we have here in this country? But don't worry, because if you still have a mental health problem, they're just going to dope you up with government lab-made psychedelics like ketamine and psilocybin mushrooms, the synthetic version. Yeah, and then they'll strap the virtual reality and augmented reality transcranial stimulation helmet to your head and send you into the metaverse, which we've covered here extensively, folks. All this stuff comes together. Goes on to say a research team from the University of Pennsylvania Center for Guaranteed Income Research laid out three overarching questions. How does guaranteed income affect volatility? To what degree do changes in income volatility alter financial well-being, psychological distress, and physical functioning? How does guaranteed income generate agency over one's future? To conduct their randomized controlled trial, the Penn researchers track purchases on the debit cards provided to the 125 recipients, asked recipients and control group members to input monthly income data, and conducted biannual surveys to learn how people's lives were going. The questions focused on recipients' well-being, but also on some of the most common objections to guaranteed income. Did they quit their jobs, content to live on free money? Did they blow all their funds on cigarettes and liquor? Quote, I never came in asking for permission, end quote, Tubbs said on a sweltering November day in Los Angeles where he moved after losing his re-election bid in Stockton, quote, I was not ready for a vote. I was going to do this, but I did go in wanting to make sure I understood sort of where the sentiment was, where the opposition was. I said, quote, well, look at what will evaluate this and see how the money is spent and we'll see who's right, end quote. In March 2021, the researchers released preliminary data from the first year of the pilot. While their first peer-reviewed paper is still in the works, their self-reported results showed an unqualified success. More than 50% of recipients said they could pay for a $400 emergency expense in cash, compared with 25% before the program began, and 28% of the control group uh began and 28% of the control group. Recipients experienced statistically significant improvements in their mental health as determined by a common test of psychological well-being. See, 
they take 125 guinea pigs, they give them this money, and the next thing you know, they're tracking all their spending habits, and they're running psychological well-being tests on them. You understand this? See, these are the pilot programs for the long-term launch of central bank digital currency, where everything is tracked, everything is monitored, except by humans, it will be done by algorithms and artificial intelligence. So they are running the trial programs for the rollout of the central bank digital currency, folks. I mean, is it not quite obvious what this is? These are little Petri dishes, and there are people because the theme of this was my father, people like my father that would discount, if he heard the story of Tubbs, or if he heard the story of one of the other mayors, he would look at those as isolated incidents. And he would say, oh, look at that liberal, progressive, idiot mayor giving away free money. And then if you showed him another one, he would say, look at that liberal, progressive, idiot mayor giving away money. And then if you showed him 12 of these, 24 of these, 50 of these, all going on at one time in the United States. We're not even looking at the world. We're just talking about the United States. 50 of these programs going on all at one time. Somehow his brain would not allow him to connect all those and realize that these are test pilot programs being funded by the technocrats for the purpose of collecting the data, data on people's habits, on their spending patterns, on uh, whether or not they're going to the doctor to get more jabs, putting that into a system because those are going to be the data points that help them program the algorithms that will control the programmable money in the form of central bank digital currency that's what all this is about but somehow some people just can't recognize it and if you dig deeper and deeper and deeper into it to try to explain it they think that you're just talking about the problems no we are explaining the problem and this will show you exactly what is coming now the question is how the hell do we work around it how are we going to set up our lives to be able to live one foot in this system and one foot out of this system one foot in the matrix and one foot out of the matrix that's what we need to figure out and the question is how much time do we have to be prepared i think with this show over 100 episodes in If you haven't listened to all of them, I would. They're all free on the public side of this broadcast. Or you can go over to pain.tv slash gold and get this in uh, video form, ad-free. And soon I will be launching an ad-free audio version of this podcast as well. And you can start to look at all the different problems we've discussed here and then start to write down your goals and figure out the steps that you are going to take to get to those goals. I am working on this every day. Uh, on the show and in my personal life and eventually i will start to show what i'm working on certain goals i have to reach to get a piece of land in west virginia to be able to get self-sustaining at least on vegetables there are some animals i want to have to get my own meat there are things i'm doing and i suggest you do them as well i know everyone has different goals everyone is in different financial circumstances so there's not going to be a one-size-fit-all solution but if you don't understand what's actually going on and what is coming you can't actually come up with solutions to work around this coming technocracy i mean we are in the technocracy now it is the culture but the full-blown slave state is being built around 
around us each and every single day. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get back tomorrow for episode 102, I'm actually going to finish this article. It's very important that you understand it all. And then I'm going to show you what is going on with UBI and the central banks, how it's going to tie into central bank digital currency. Then you'll understand that whole system. And then we're going to get into consensus. I'm going to show you what's going on with their blockchain overlays on top of Ethereum and a paper that they presented to the World Economic Forum one month before the rollout of COVID land, the high school theater production. We got our hands on that, ladies and gentlemen, and then we'll have a complete understanding of CBDC. We'll start to get into the panel discussions out of the World Economic Forum, Bank for International Settlements, International Monetary Fund, and the United Nations. And then we'll start to tie all this research into what Wide Awake Jim has been doing. And then we'll have a very clear view of the world we are moving into. And then we'll start a series of solutions discussions. In between that, I have a couple of guests that may be coming on. I just connected with a holistic doctor that I think is going to come on the show and talk about informed consent and your right uh, when you're inside the hospitals, as I discussed in my personal story that I shared of what my wife and I went in, uh, dealt with inside of the Rockefeller Medical Industrial Complex complex hospital uh, when we move from a home birth into that system. So we're going to be doing a lot of that as well, folks. Much more to come right here on the Dustin Gold Standard. Have a wonderful day, a wonderful evening. Whenever you're listening, folks, this is the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.